Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Dear Hank and John. In other words, I prefer to think of it, dear John and Hank. Hank, Hank, Hank. What? I hate Jesus, to interrupt this you. That's not how it works. Uh, well, there is a flipping level one emergency in my basement right now. Hank, there is a beetle. Do you have so- to go? With some kind of pincers on top of it that is, is just this- crawling through the basement as if it is not an Did invader. You just find out about this. Holy snood. I just found out about it because- Are I- you in the basement? I have a basement. That's where we make the Vlogbrothers videos every time you visit me. Oh, it's kind of a basement. Well, it's apparently it's basement beautiful. enough for this flipping beetle with pincers. I mean, it looks, I, I can't tell you, I'm, I'm just going to let it be. I'm going to let it go Okay, we're and gonna I'm going to assume that it's going to find its way outside. Okay, John, can I do the intro now for real? Yeah, I can still see it, but go ahead. Okay. Hello and welcome for to Dear Hank and John. Dang it. Or as I prefer to think of it, for John and Hank. <laughs> it's a podcast for two brothers. Answer your questions, can give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, yeah. I got this friend, and he loves spring. It's just like, it's something he's very passionate about. He just, like, the it's almost a spiritual experience for, for him. Unfortunately, he has very bad allergies. Mm-hmm. Spring really brings him to his sneeze. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty, did Thanks. you, did you write that one yourself? Uh, I, I adapted from mm. an existing joke about about uh, how spring brings someone to their sneeze. Yeah, well, that yeah. that is the good part of the joke, to be fair. <laughs> that is the joke part. <laughs> well, uh, Hank, you may notice that uh, the sound is a significant improvement over last Indeed. week. No, and- yeah, Catherine, Catherine said to me this morning, yeah. I listened to Dear Hank and John this week. Yeah. Uh, it was an... Uh, auditory experience. I, I she did not sound of, complimentary about it. I had a lot of negative feedback from people who were like, I'm trying to listen to this while I'm driving and I keep hearing what sounds like an emergency. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. That's tough. That's a, it's a special struggle. And I'm glad that you're home for a bit, both for your own sanity uh, and also so that we can make a podcast that sounds nice. Only until tomorrow morning. 
All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad we're taking the chances we get it. Yes, but I love being on the set of Turtles All the Way Down. It is just an incredible experience. I this it's, I'm having the time of my life. I'm, I'm also just a little bit tired. Let's answer some questions from our listeners. Absolutely. This first one comes from Sadie, who asks, Dear Hank and John, imagine... Our planet is in a glass jar, sitting on the desk of an alien child as their science Hey, hey, can I just interrupt you real quick and FaceTime you, and you can tell me if you think this is a real threat to my existence? Okay, yeah, 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 it's fine. I can guarantee you that. How do we do that? I have never seen as intimidating a looking... It's connecting, it says. Hold on. Oh, okay. I mean, this is a... Okay, hello. All right, ready? Yes. Okay, how do I turn around the camera? I'm not very sophisticated. You hit the little turnaround button. Look, That's your four. Look at that. It's tiny! That's a box elder bug. Jesus, John. And what is a box elder bug? Is that a threat to me? <laughs> no. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. You could put that in in your hand and walk it out of your house and it would not hurt, harm you. No, thank you. He hung up on me. He didn't believe me. I just hung me. up on Hank in the middle of him saying those uh, words and he because they up. were totally unacceptable to me. Hello, John. I'm sorry to have hung up on you, but unfortunately you said something horrible. <laughs> 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 Which is that I could put that beetle in my hand and walk it outside. Uh, what, I mean, there's, I, I can't, I cannot imagine a thing I would like to do less. It was, y'all, everyone listening, it's tiny. It's not tiny. It it's has, smaller than your fingernail. It's about the size of my fingernail. <laughs> it's the, it's about the length of your fingernail, maybe. Oh God. I don't, it's just, it's just still here is the thing. What was the question? Your walls and your body is a semi-permeable membrane. There is not a way to define the outside as all outside and the inside as all inside. And we shouldn't be doing that because we are a part of our world and our world is sitting on the desk of an alien as a science fair project. You're making it much worse, just so you know. Well, yeah, I'm just wondering. telling you the reality of the situation that you're going to have to live with. I'm just, not trying just to in the make future, it better. If you're trying to calm someone's bug anxiety, don't tell them that their body is a semi-permeable membrane. It is. I, that's fine. You know that. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying whether it's true. I'm saying whether it's helpful. Okay. Well, I can hear you. Anyway, so our our beautiful, beautiful Earth that contains many bugs is sitting in the room of an alien child on their desk. It's, a, yeah. it's their science fair project. What grade do you think the alien teachers would give to us as a science fair project? Sadie oh, asks. A plus. Are a you plus. kidding? A plus. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Like, I don't see what, the, what it's being compared to, but you got, we've got here on Earth that has both bats and octopuses, which are about as different from each other as I can imagine. And they're both, like, thriving. Well, were. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the only, I, I think maybe the only question mark on this person's yeah. grade is letting humans become so dominant. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did they design a planet where humans could just take over yeah. in the course of, like, 200,000 years? I could see the teacher being like, wow, this is a beautiful, really interesting planet. Now, th- these ones. Yeah. Why, why did you, why did you... They, 
Now, I can't say they're not interesting. Yeah. But it's why like did as, you go with this? As the kids and why say, did you give them so much bug anxiety? <laughs> as the kids say, this one creature seems a little OP. <laughs> what? What does that mean? It means overpowered. It's like a oh, video game yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to nerf them. Yes, exactly. Which Hank, does we're feel so, like it might be happening. <laughs> we're so young and promising with our slang. That's exactly yeah. right. That is that is actually what's happening. Right now, there is a science class somewhere yeah. where the Hermione Granger of that class has designed an earth that sits on her desk. And the teacher mm-hmm. is like, listen, I think this is great. Obviously, it's very impressive. Is there any way you can nerf the humans? Yeah. And the, the, the student is like, yeah, I got some ideas. <laughs> Hermione, if you're listening, nerf us. But in but the nicest way possible, can, can please. Can you nerf us in a chill way? Is there any way yeah. that we can be chilly can nerfed? Can you get us to nerf ourselves? That would just, be dope. If you could just get us to turn it down a little mm-hmm. bit from like an eight to a six. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I we 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 I would like for the progress to continue, but I'd like to have a little bit better handle on it from day to day. Oh yeah. Yeah. We you know what yeah, but you know what whoever's science project this is, I just want to say one thank you. I wouldn't oh, exist yeah. without you. I like existing. And like two, existing. it's great, but I still think it could be better. Yeah. You know what just occurred to me, Hank? Uh-huh. It is a science project, and increasingly, it's our science project. Yeah, well, but like, oh, to what extent are we individuals and to what extent are we a collective? So is it is it my science project no. or am I in someone else's science project? I think that we're all just bubbles on the tide of empire. But the thing is that the tide is made out of us. Like the tide is made out of That's bubbles. The, yeah, the tide, the tide, the vampire is made out of little bubbles, and I'm a little bubble. And but I feel, I feel like I'm not no. affecting the tide. But I am. Yep. I am. But I am. But am I? But, because but, am I even in control of my own actions? Oh, he's starting to get there. Um, <laughs> You're only a couple of weeks away from being truly afraid of this bug. <laughs> Have you heard the theory that the that this that uh, speed of light has a has a uh, speed because the creators, the alien who created our universe, uh, doesn't want to have to like maintain the resolution very far away. So it's like, well, let's slow it down so that stuff can't get to them yet. That is distressing. Well, it doesn't have to be, John, because the only reason we are here is to love and support each other. And there's plenty of value just in that. And also to be grateful to the experience of existing, which uh, in those bug-free moments, we can be. I like that you're becoming the theologian. (laughs) (laughs) You've said said the words to me enough times that it's sunk in. It's a big surprise to me that suddenly you're like, you know why our creator established a speed limit for the universe? Like, <laughs> I, and, and just to be clear, I understand that you're not actually making a religious statement. I just like the way that you phrased that. It made me happy. Good. I'm glad. So so I'm very grateful to this uh, kid at a science fair in an alien universe mm-hmm. who made our universe 
and just, you know, slowed things down so that it wouldn't be so weird for us and so challenging yeah. a computational problem for them. Yeah, I know that they're a fan of the pod, and I just wanted to say thank you for your work, <laughs> and I appreciate you supporting us on Patreon. Imagine if, like, instead of them finding the Voyager capsule, they just, like, <laughs> somehow hear one episode. Yeah, and, and it says so much about me that I'm like, yeah, that'd be a good introduction. I think oh that that's Oh my god, the- that does say that does say a lot about <laughs> you. Terrible. It tells me you still have some work to do as a yeah, theologian. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of great media that's created by Earth. This is up there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I can't. I'm sorry. I want to yes and you, but I can't, well, unfortunately, can't. I'm, un- no. I'm unable to. I just think Shakespeare would be a bit much. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that Emily Dickinson poem, Tell All the Truth, But Tell It Slant. Like, you don't want to, um, mm-hmm. you don't want to overwhelm them with our beauty right, right away uh-huh. with Shakespeare. First, you want to sort of slow roll it by being uh-huh. like, so we have banter podcasts. Uh-huh. All right, Hank, this question comes from Ashley, who writes, Dear John and not Hank. John, you always sign your YouTube comments with dash John, and Hank never signs his comments. How do you feel about that? Is that what led to your longstanding feud? Or does John write all the comments and only leave the controversial ones nameless? Pumpkins and penguins. Ashley. This is something that has evolved over the, you know, over 15 years we've been making YouTube videos. But it's it's a way for people who are within Nerdfighteria to know who wrote the comment, right? That's what I've yeah. always thought of it as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I do sometimes uh, sign mine, and I sometimes, and it's only that I forget um, when I don't do it. Oh. When I, I think to, oh. I, I'm not like I'm not in the place where, or or it's my video, and I'm like, you assume that it's me. Usually, when I'm commenting yeah. on your videos, I, I sign them. And it may just be that I don't comment on your videos that much and you comment more on mine, which now I feel like I should learn from that. No, you shouldn't feel any obligation to write more YouTube comments than you currently do. But I like, I like the fact that the way that we know it's you is that there's no signature. That's kind of lovely to me. Now, occasionally I will write a YouTube comment and not sign it, John. Mm -hmm. And I did that recently, and somebody replied, I can tell this is John because it doesn't have any exclamation points. <laughs> yeah, I'm an exclamator. I yeah. have a... It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's the way of things these days. We live in an exclamatory society. Yeah. Maybe there should be fewer exclamators, but they seem like they have a pretty, like, they're a pretty powerful faction in the, in the, in the politics of the day. Like if they like like maybe if they all got together they could be like a super pack. The exclamators. Yeah. yeah, I mean the other thing about an exclamation point though is that it's a way almost of making it clear that you're being nice, which is different yeah, from yeah. what it used to be. It used mm-hmm. to be a way of yelling and now it's almost a way of upspeak like glad you liked the video. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's almost like an emoticon where you're just like trying to indicate to people how the 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 vibe and the very true fact that if you have a three sentence email and all three sentences have exclamation points, you've crossed the line into being unhinged. But if you just make one of those a period, then it's like, ah, what a good vibe. Yeah, and if none of them function in a society this complex, it's so hard. Well, I mean, not not that well. It's true. 
Speaking of, John, this next question comes from Anne, who asks, Dear Hank and John, my boyfriend is currently on a ship in the middle of the ocean and will be for the next few months at least. Seeing as I'll be in Alaska on a fishing boat in a few days, this shouldn't be a problem. You guys have an exciting life. However, he's currently only reachable by email, and my Gen Z self considers email mostly as a place to reset passwords, not really a form of communication. Which brings me to my question, how do you write an email? Anything I write sounds weirdly formal and impersonal, and I kind of love this guy, so that seems wrong. Any advice is greatly appreciated. Currently in a love triangle with the ocean, Anne. Anne, your life sounds awesome! Well, I don't know if it sounds awesome, but it sounds very interesting. Very interesting, Uh, that's true. I'm not sure that I'd want to necessarily switch places with Anne, not least because our our dad worked in Alaska on a fishing boat, and his stories of it did not make me... Did yeah. not make me want to try it. I think that um, the, pe- the the people of the boat are also happy that we're not switching place with places with Anne. Oh, that's so true, Hank. Like <laughs> the last thing a group of commercial fishermen need on a boat is us. <laughs> Just you, like, you being very worried and me vomiting like that. Yeah, you want to talk about a drain on resources? <laughs> you just got two guys in the hold of a ship vomiting for five days. <laughs> oh lord! <laughs> they actually sponsored the podcast to keep us off their boat. It's great. <laughs> Sitka salmon shares. Get them today. Um, boy, we're giving out a lot of free promo. Uh, and. Writing an email now is like writing a letter in the 19th century. And that is, I think, how you have to yeah. embrace it. I, like, well, there is something is inherently formal about it, yeah. but you've got to treat it as this is my chance to write long love letters to my beloved. Yeah. And then someday, if things work out, Anne, and you end up having a life together, you can look back on this yeah. period of writing emails back and forth and see your correspondence, and it'll be super lovely. Yeah. I mean, you can you can, you can try and read some old letters, because they're available. It's like, like, just like look up, you know, his, historical love letters or something. Um, and, you, and you'll find some examples and, and like try and get a sense of like what that's like. But the main thing is you want to have a number of different things to convey. And, and I think you want to try to do it as weird as possible. So I, I think that like let go of the conventions that you might imagine an email contains and just, uh, Basically, what you're going to want to do is like a bunch of text messages in a row that you're not getting replies to. Mm, Okay, I like that. I like to have a numbered email, which is similar to sort of text messagizing it, Mm. where I write about a series of topics, each one with a number. And then if there are any interesting topics to the person who I'm emailing with, they can reply by number if they wish. I also think that you have to remember that when you're writing an email, as opposed to when you're writing a text message, it's okay to have multiple fronts of conversation. It's okay to move mm-hmm. yeah. from, you know, what the situation is on your boat to what the situation is on their boat. Yeah, and also your sort of thought, your, like the, your frustrations with the word all that day. It can really go right. everywhere. Your thoughts about a tree. I listened to a podcast and they talked about our letters to each other. And that made me yeah. think about the time that the you fixed the faucet. By the way, you you know what Anne won't be thinking about when she's out on the great Alaskan ocean, Hank? What? Trees. Maybe. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about how, how 
how I took trees for granted back when I could see the oh, land. Oh, yes. Right. Back when I was a land lover, <laughs> I I remember I would just look at look at a tree and think nothing of it. But now here in the great open ocean, I can't help but yearn for the trees. You, this is exactly the way you need to write. You need to, you need to be ridiculous about it. I think like I love I love a long weird email from someone yeah. I love. Yeah, I my do dearest not love Eliza. A long, weird email from someone I don't know. Those are not. Oh, right. that is such a great observation about the complexity of living in a society. I love a short, polite email from someone I don't know, and I love a long, weird email from someone I do know, but I don't really like the other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, both both of those ways. I don't like them. All right, Hank, speaking of couples on the move, we've got this email from Matt and Alyssa who write, Dear John and Hank, we're currently driving from Washington to Montana. It is raining and cold, and there are lots of mountains with lots of trees. The trees appear to be creating clouds. Are these clouds that they are creating? Is it steam? Is mist cold steam? Are trees warm? Will the trees mist you, Matt and Alyssa? That's oh, a very good nice. rhyme. Yeah. Well, more tree talk. Matt and Alyssa mm-hmm. here on land where the trees are. Uh, it's a totally <laughs> different vibe from the last question. <laughs> uh, God, well, first of all, is... Steam, we're wrong. We're all wrong about what steam is. Okay, isn't it just water that is mm, steamy? So steam technically is water vapor. So it is it yeah. is water that is so right. hot that it's a gas. And you cannot you very much. see water vapor. We all think that we can. And this is mm-hmm. this is the fault of both reality being confusing and our educations. So like you see, like, you know, when they show you this three states of matter, they like show you ice and liquid water and then like a, sh- a steamy shower. And I'm guilty. Yeah, of like w- or water boiling or, off yeah. the. Yeah. Yeah. But like the steamy shower is not showing you steam. It's showing you little droplets of water, of, of liquid water in the air. Tiny little. Mist. Droplets, mist, clouds. Yeah. That's what clouds are. They're just tiny droplets of of liquid water up in the air. You cannot see that stuff when it's water vapor. And in fact, you can watch, oftentimes with like cumulus clouds, the sort of like height at which the the entirely transparent water vapor reaches a temperature where it then starts to condense out of the air into water droplets, and that's what the cloud is. Up until that point, there's still water in the air. It's just that it's gaseous water that you cannot see. So water vapor is entirely clear. A cloud and also what we what we sort of see as like the, the stuff coming out of the tea kettle, that's the water starting to condense out of the steam. Uh, that's the stuff that you can see, not the steam itself. So this is a confusing thing about the world, and I apologize for it. Now, trees do create clouds, but they are probably Whoa. not creating these clouds is my guess Trees create clouds because they transpire. So the whole thing, one of the big things that plants do is they uh, bring water up from their roots and then they evaporate it from their leaves. That's a big part of how their metabolism works. And uh, that's how they live. And that what evaporates from their leaves is then water vapor. It is then released into the environment where it can then condense to form a cloud. Now, the... the, Whoa, 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 Yes, 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 yes. Hit me. 
I just want to I just want to pull back for a second, Hank. Did you just say that that's a big part of how trees transpire? Is that where the verb transpire comes from? Is is from like the way that something lives? Um, I have no idea, John. I think but that, that they, I'm that, sure that the words are related that, to each other, but it is that is so it's the, beautiful. It's the biological term for how when, when plants like exhale water vapor. It's transpiration. And so when we say like as it transpired, my grandma hit me in the face. I don't know why I went there. Could have picked could have picked any noun yeah, and any verb and any direct object, and I went there. Um, let's let's try it again. As it transpired, the kitten ate my finger. What is wrong? What is happening with me? As it transpired, the typewriter consumed it, my thoughts it's a it's a thing that it, that occurs it's just a thing that occurs yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah but i love the but i love the idea of it, of of its root of its core being in the like the way that something lives yeah i don't let's look up the trick uh so so it's from oh wow john it is from trans um mm-hmm. which you know just means like all the things that trans means, so like across Change. or beyond or through. Um, yeah. And then uh, spirare, which is to breathe. Oh, wow. As it breathes So it's through. very similar to, it's similar to inspire. Yeah. And it's similar to conspire. And it's also- like a conspiracy. Sp- yes. And all that, th- these all come from the root for the word spirit. Oh, boy. Yeah. This is good. This yeah. is very good. Mm-hmm. The fact that conspiracy, inspiration, and transpiring are all mm. related yes. words with different sort of uh, prepositions is very, yeah. very interesting. Mm-hmm. That reminds me, actually, that today's podcast is brought to you by a tree that transpires, mm. a tree that transpires, the painting ate my face. Wow. This podcast is also brought to you by John's inability to have a uh, sane thought. <laughs> Why is everything trying to eat me? Yeah, I don't know, man. He's, it started, I think it's because of the bug. I, I think it's because I know that that bug wants to kill me and it's just thinking about how to do it. He's John. John's inability to have a sane thought. It's... Uh, it's at least a little bit fun. <laughs> For some of us. Uh, today's podcast is also, of course, <laughs> brought to you by that little kid who made our stupid universe. <laughs> the little kid who made our stupid universe t- did a pretty good job. Definitely getting an A+. Plus. This podcast is also brought to you by the Exclamators. The Exclamators. Uh, the newest, <laughs> most popular political party in America. We also have a Project for Awesome message from Iwana and Dragush to the entire world, including future generations. We would like to use this opportunity to clarify once and for all that raspberries are the best fruit. Screw you, bananas. Potatoes are the best vegetables, and mushrooms are the worst things with non-zero nutritional value. (laughs) Also, thanks, Hank and John, for all the good things you're doing for the world. That's very kind. Thank you. Just so you know, the bug is still here. It is. It it just is walking right across the floor, stressing me out. But thank you for that clarity about 
raspberries. It's apparently the smell of the universe. This episode of Dear Hang John is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house and Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly shipped to the doorstep. It's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Chobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt, I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different and more spreadable. <laughs> Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash dearhank, thrivemarket.com slash dearhank. So listen, your toilet is massively gross, like it's grosser than you think. In fact, bacteria and viruses can hang around in the toilet bowl even after multiple flushes. And I recently found the easiest way to clean my toilet, Blue Land's Sustainable Toilet Cleaner Tablets. Just drop, watch it fizz, brush, and flush. It is truly that simple. No more scrubbing for hours. Plus, the tablets are plastic-free. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet with the same powerful clean that you're used to. Blue Land products are effective and affordable, and their toilet tablets are proven to work on a wide range of toilet stains, including rust, mineral deposits, lime scale, and hard water. And you can even get more savings by buying refills in bulk or setting up a subscription. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss this blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. We didn't finish answering the last question, John. We took a, we oh, took a right. break. Oh, right. Sorry. We, just, we, we had to take one of those like ad breaks that's in the middle where you were like, yeah. it's like a big cliffhanger, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so, where it's so, like like in a true crime podcast when they're like got to find out find out after the break. What's up with this cloud? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what's going on exactly with this cloud. If you're in between uh, Washington and Montana, you are in a wet place. There's a lot of water vapor in the air, um, and uh, and and what's happening is probably as that water vapor is traveling up the side of a mountain, it's getting colder, and thus it's condensing out and, and forming. Fog slash clouds would be my guess. And that water vapor is coming from all over, but in part it's coming from the trees. But I think probably in in a greater part, it's coming from just it being a moist place where there's lots of water. Well, it's a moist place and you say it gets moister. Um, Sorry. (laughs) 
can't. If somebody says a adjective place. Yeah, you're stuck. And then you're like, and the years keep dripping and they don't start dripping. Beg <laughs> <laughs> like to the rules, then I hit the ground slipping because it's so wet. <laughs> it's so, I mean, of all the things that could have like kind of taken over our collective oh, consciousness, man. it had to be all star. Could have been worse, could have been better. I mean, it could have been better. I would argue it would have been easier for it to be better than for it to be worse. Dear know, Green Bros. Uh-huh. I, I, I accept, I suppose. I'm sitting in the window seat of a plane, and I need to pee. This is from Grace, by the way. I'm sitting in the window seat of a plane, and I need to pee so badly, but the guy sitting next to me in the middle seat is asleep. I've said excuse me five times and tapped his arm three times, and he's still dead to the world. What do I do? Held Mm. back while holding it. Grace. Now, Hank, this is the kind of question that we specialize in because we are best at answering questions within the 30 minutes time frame. (laughs) Really needs to be answered. Exactly. Look, this problem is going to happen to other people in the future. It's and true. I have to tell you that there are a few different options. Yeah. And they depend on how good you are at acrobatics. Oh, no, I don't think you can. I mean, I guess if you're like a pro gymnast, you could probably yes. just see like, I'm going to walk on my hands right out of here. <laughs> but I can feel we, like... <laughs> can we talk... Lori Hernandez follows me on TikTok, and I feel like if we asked this question of Lori Hernandez, she would have a way to get out of that seat where that man had no idea that it happened. Yeah. And also everybody on the plane was like, what just occurred? Yeah, no. This does not. That, that, would but, be, that would be awesome if you are an elite gymnast. Yes. But if you are not an elite gymnast, you have two options, yes. one of which is to uh-huh. shake the person until they are awake, which is your yep. right, and I would argue your obligation uh, yes. Um, the other option is to hit your flight attendant call button and have the flight attendant come over and say to the flight mm. attendant, I don't know how to handle this situation. <laughs> Do you have any advice? <laughs> Just like, I panicked. <laughs> you know what I do? Like, I literally, I have done this before where I'm like, okay, my goal my goal is to get out of this middle seat without waking that yeah. man up. I'm not going to achieve that yeah. goal, but I'm going to attempt right. to. And maybe this person is so asleep that, like, literally in the process of, like, <laughs> stepping over their, like, limp legs, they, you won't wake them up. Uh, but I have done that where, like, that person's asleep. I've tried to wake them up. I give up. I don't want to pee on myself. Yeah. And so I'm just going to climb over that person and hope that I don't wake them up. Usually they wake up and they understand what's going on, which is that, like, the person next to them also has a body. Right. I think that is the underlying reason why we find ourselves asking so many questions about plain etiquette is because it is rare that we are in a situation of real intimacy and vulnerability with strangers, except on an airplane, we are always in that situation, or at least almost always. And so it's, it's an intense, strange thing. And right now, especially, like, I feel like we didn't know that much about how to interact with strangers 10 years ago, but like, I definitely know less about it now than I did 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think the thing to remember is that 
Most people, most of the time, are going to understand that you need to pee and are going to want to support you in that effort. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, Hank, before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I want to ask you this question from John Luke, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I've listened to all the books that the two of you have ever published, except for the unicorn novellas. What? What? What are the unicorn novellas? Uh, the zombie corn novellas? Oh, <laughs> I've genuinely forgotten about those. <laughs> <laughs> That people, they, he, uh, this person assumed that the zombie, that zombie corns was about unicorn zombies, which yeah, is not. Which it's not. Yeah. It's about, it's about yeah. co- corn, corn and zombies. <laughs> it brings together two of my, my great areas of interest, free will and the ubiquity of corn. Anyway, <laughs> I, I'd completely forgotten that I wrote two different zombie corn novellas. But here we go. Now I want to go back and thoroughly read all of uh, your books again. I was able to get The Fault in Our Stars from my library resale, but I can't find any of the others used. I was on eBay and found hardcovers for $3.50 plus shipping. And I was thinking that must be illegal or that you can't be getting the proceeds for that. But are you okay if I buy them off eBay like that? P.S. I'm so excited for the Turtles All the Way Down movie. Trying to be Ryan, John Luke. John. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to make any money when people buy your books used, but you are going to make the thing that you actually wanted, which is another person who has read your book. (laughs) Totally. That's how I feel. Like, somebody somewhere bought the book, which I appreciate, Mm -hmm. and then it's theirs. It's it's really interesting that I— like the per, the world's perception of ownership has changed dramatically when John Luke says to us, it feels like it must be illegal mm-hmm. to sell a piece of property that I own a book. Yeah, but I also think it's complicated when it's when it's media, right? Because yeah, no, I mean, but like that, it it used to be that we we sort of like didn't weren't going to solve that problem because the VHS tape contains Jurassic Park. Right. And so you can transfer you can like take that physical thing and say, right. do you want this? And now you oftentimes can't like yeah. you own Jurassic Park for his, for you, but not for anyone else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or access to it rather than you don't even own it. You own access to it. Right. You can't sell your downloaded copy of Jurassic Park when you buy it from yeah. Xfinity or Apple TV or whatever. Yeah. Yes, and we live in a weird time in terms of ownership, mm-hmm. and I do not know how to navigate it entirely, <laughs> but I do know yeah. that if you buy a used book off of eBay, I'm I'm good with it. I don't get the 80 cents, but I'm okay with not getting that 80 cents. Yeah. And yeah, also I mean, like especially it seems like you've already bought it. Yeah, <laughs> like that's you what got, I was you got them say. on Audible. <laughs> so that's what I, that's what I was going to say. Like to me, if you've already bought it, buying it a second time. I mean, if you want to give us eighty cents, just go to Patreon.com/slash/DearHankandJohn, and we'll spend the money on Complexly's <laughs> mission. Right. Yeah. But Hank, I think what you said is really important, which is that what we really want is for people to read the stories, and more than that, for people to care about the stories and to let them yeah. in and let, give them a seat at, at the table in their lives. Like that's what we want. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to do that in a way that supports our publishers and our editors and ourselves. But what we really want, like the core desire, is to share the stories. Yeah, and and pe- readers like John Luke, who are who are 
going deeper, who are saying, yeah. I liked that so much, I want to experience it in a different format a second time. It's yeah. really amazing. Yeah, that's my favorite thing when people get the Anthropocene reviewed audiobook and then want to get the print book so that they can yeah. go through it. That like that's just so lovely. But it's also lovely when people just listen to the audiobook or just listen to the podcast because that's what we're trying to do. That's why we make stuff. Yeah. We make it for people. John, hit me with some of that AFC Wimbledon news. Oh, well, I mean, we're still relegated. So that's <laughs> no the... miracle occurred? <laughs> yeah. Like no. actual miracle where like a, <laughs> one did. of the teams was like, actually, we want to go down. Can you go up instead? Yeah, it'd have to be, it'd have to be two <laughs> or three of the teams. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's just the way that, uh, that's the way that it yeah. worked out for us. Uh, there has not been an announcement on the manager front, except that our caretaker manager who saw us through the end of the season will not be the uh, full-time manager next season. And we're going to have to, we're going to have to try to figure out what, what to do from here, how to be a league two club and who the manager is going to be. That's the, I think the first big decision, who's going to lead the club through this first season in League Two. And then from there, we'll have to figure out all the player stuff. John, yes. do you think I'd be good at that? Um, I have thought about, well, first off, no. <laughs> I don't well, think. I, I agree. <laughs> I don't think you'd be good at it. I don't think I'd be good at it. I don't think Ted Lasso in real life would be good at it. But right. I have thought at times, gosh, that would be a fun job. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about football, which I think is probably a pretty big problem. I recently watched some people doing something on TikTok where they were kicking soccer balls. And I was like, wow, they seem like the best in the world. And I don't think they were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you can um, you you can be really, really good and still not be a professional footballer. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Well, keep us up to date. I'm glad that you're back on Plow Lane, and that's gonna that's gonna carry forward into a lot of yeah, that's a lot the, of strong future. That's right? the most important thing. All right, John. In Mars news, so you may or may not be aware that there are glaciers on Mars that are made not of water but of dry ice, so of, of carbon dioxide that has solidified out of the atmosphere because it's that cold. So those dry ice glaciers are at the South Polar Cap. They're more than a half a billion years old. And for the most part, they've been steadily increasing in volume and mass, except for a few places where the carbon dioxide actually evaporates off of the glacier or sublimates, if mm. you want to be technical about it. Good word. Another great word. Uh, but we've been wondering if these glaciers move around the way the glaciers do on Earth or if they just sort of like build and stay in exactly the same place. Mm. Uh, if they if they build and stay in the same place, the ice would be around 45 meters thick, whereas if they flowed, they would flow into deeper areas and then sort of like pile on top of itself. So you could have like inside of basins or troughs, you could have like a thick kilometer of pure dry ice. And the researchers used NASA's ice sheet and sea level system model, which is used to watch polar ice caps on our planet in Greenland and Antarctica. And they adapted it to study Mars and found that the pattern of glacier distribution means that they have indeed been flowing. Wow. It, su it suggests that the, uh, that the glaciers have been moving for around 600,000 years 
years and that they flowed the most around 400,000 years ago, hmm. uh, but could continue to flow to this day, just less than they did at that point. So there may be these like deep, deep pockets of dry ice. Yeah. In fact, I think that that's sort of what they figured out is they can like see the the places where it has flowed into and like away from and into. And I so, mean, maybe this is me not totally understanding geology, but at those deep, deep levels, wouldn't the ice be a little bit warmer? Uh, not really, I don't think, because it's pr- probably pretty insulated. Um, the, the Well, that's what I was just the, thinking, like on Earth, you know. There's, when you go, there's all, if you go deep enough, you usually find water, like liquid water. Right. Well, first of all, these are not water ice. Right. So there's no like, there's the only thing that would be melting down there would be, uh, it would be melting into um, uh, um, a gas um, that would then be bubbling out. But down there, it's probably not that warm um, because it's not deep enough inside of Mars to get to any warm spot because it's not like Mars is not particularly Mm, uh, mm-hmm. particularly geologically active. There, so, it's, it probably is that they're like down deep enough you would get to magma, but it's much deeper than it is on the Earth. So not a great place for doing chemistry, as you like to say. Not, yeah, not a, it's, that's not a good place for, for chemistry to happen. But okay. there are probably places on Mars in which there, there might be a good place for chemistry to happen. And for those who don't know, that's Hank's euphemism for life. <laughs> <laughs> But interesting chemistry. But increasingly, it occurs to me that maybe the phrase interesting chemistry is the universe's euphemism for life. Oh, I mean, there is no doubt, like, like, if you look at it through the eyes of of a chemist, that there are two kinds of chemistry. There's boring chemistry, no offense, inorganic chemists and all of that junk, uh, and and organic chemists as well. And then there's interesting chemistry, which is the the life kind, which is just far, like it is far weirder and more complex and cool. Well, this little bit of interesting chemistry is going to go pick up his son from school. Oh, I thought you were going to go get the bug. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I can never come into contact with that bug. Not now, not ever. I can't kill it. I can't move it. It is a permanent resident of this home. <laughs> okay. But uh, but nonetheless, thank you for potting with uh, me. And most importantly, thank you for FaceTiming with me and telling me that the bug was not dangerous. You're, you are safe. You're a safe man. Mm, not in the long run. <laughs> uh, it's like that, that tombstone. I told you I was sick. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> We're off to record our patron-only podcast, This Week in Stuff, where we talk about things that are bringing us happiness in these times. Um, thank you so much, for everybody, for sending in your questions. Uh, the email address to do that is hankandjohn at gmail.com. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tuna Medish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals Rojas. Our communications coordinator is Julia Bloom. Our editorial assistant is Debuki Truck Rivardi. The music you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by The Great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't forget to be awesome. awesome.